listening to Trending with Timory, offering an eternal perspective on today's hottest topics. National speaker Timory Millington has been a passionate advocate for life as long as she can remember, helping Gen X through Z answer the call to true feminism and authentic manhood. Timory holds a master's degree in biblical theology, and she covers this week's hottest stories from a Catholic worldview. You're listening to Trending with Timory. It is great to be with you. I have with me today Father Robert Spitzer of the Magis Center, president and founder. We are going to be diving into some very topical issues here at the beginning of 2020. We'll be looking at abortion in the upcoming year and what we might expect in terms of some Supreme Court decisions and what the layout of the land will be after such a shocking year in 2019 with so many laws being passed in completely opposite directions on the abortion issue, either allowing access to abortion all the way through nine months of a woman's pregnancy or stopping it much earlier on, such as before uh, or immediately after there's a heartbeat detected. So we'll be talking about that. We'll also be talking about this shocking decline that continues to be the trend across the world with regard to population. We're seeing that Japan has seen the lowest birth rates on record in their nation. And also close to home for me here in California, Father Robert Spitzer as well, there's been a mass exodus of people leaving, so many people leaving, fewer people are even coming into our great golden state. So without further ado, Father Robert Spitzer, thanks for being with us today. Great, always to be back with you, Timory. So I wanna look at this abortion landscape. I think that 2019 was a major year for the abortion debate, and here's why, and I wanna get your thoughts on it. People did not realize that because of the Supreme Court decision of Roe versus Wade, that abortion has been legal on a federal level through all nine months of a woman's pregnancy. Mm -hmm. So when all of a sudden New York and Chicago and other states started passing laws that wrote this into their constitution, Mm -hmm. people were shocked. They didn't realize that you could abort a baby this late. Mm And so what happened is I feel like a lot of people were forced to kind of make more of a decision on what they thought about abortion at the same time as pro-life law, such as banning abortion after a heartbeat is detected, was kind of too soon for some people. And so I feel like 2019, more people, you know, we'll use the word woke, were being woken up to Mm -hmm. needing to take some sort of a stance here. Mm-hmm. What yeah. are your thoughts? Well, I think uh, we are at a kind of an interesting extreme, and I think uh, it's almost a tipping point for culture. I think and on the one hand, you have a trend of people who are recognizing that abortion really is the killing of an innocent person. And uh, we have so many new technologies that um, enable us to see in utero now. Uh, you can see that baby and... Uh, and trying to present that reality to people on a, a kind of a massive scale is a, a great development that's, that's getting through to people. I think uh, great films that have come out just in, you know, in the last uh, year and a half really have also you know, presented the, the more grisly side of abortion, but also with it, the reality of the life in the womb and I think that's been a second, you know, area. A third area has just been uh, an awakening uh, of people uh, to <laughs> a general decline in respect for life culturally. 
And, you know, just seeing the massive rise in suicide rates, if that doesn't make alarm bells go off, do you? I, I don't know what, what will. So when you start combining all of these elements, there is a good side, uh, you know, that, that's come out in, in recent years, not to mention the uh, constituency of the Supreme Court uh, <laughs> and a variety of other things. Uh, I, I do think uh, we have a, a good chance of of maybe being at a cultural crossroad here right. where we might go in a pro-life direction. So there's hope there. Alternatively, you can almost see the devil in, in, its, in his death throng, oh, you yes. know, and he's, you know, with such extreme vigor, we are seeing um, uh, resistance uh, to... Shout uh, your abortion, Michelle Williams of the Golden yeah. Globes, you name it. There's yeah. just darkness in terms of shouting that abortion decision. Oh, yeah. And so we've, we're, we're at a crossroads. We're definitely in a cultural battle. But I do think there's a lot of really good omens out there. I would call them providential manifestations uh, uh, out there that, that really show a possibility of a, a cultural crossroad, a turn in, in, in the culture. And, uh, and maybe we might be going in a pro-life direction now. I, I think the extreme bills, by the way, I, you know, that, that were happening on the state levels in New York and Illinois and all that, I really think it just scared people so much mm-hmm. that it caused a reaction just wanting to assert we just can't keep killing off people, uh, killing off innocent babies. It, and, and, and that recognition of the innocence uh, of that life and the reality of that life, yeah. is, is it is getting uh, more uh, uh, profoundly recognized. This is my challenge to people. We're going to dive into what we're looking at in the Supreme Court in 2020 over abortion because I think it will be uh, not a huge decision maker, but it'll start to unravel in some way some of the restrictions placed uh, on allowing further pro-life laws. We'll get to that in a second. You're listening to Trending with Timory. That is Father Robert Spitzer. But one of the things I challenge you is we are at a point in history where abortion is looked at as a necessary evil. It's not looked at uh, any longer as it used to be as, oh, well, nothing's wrong with abortion. People recognize it, especially when you look at the younger generations. They're more pro-life than ever before. But as they get older, that moral relativism kicks in so intensely that people who I knew who were incredibly pro-life and even today are very Mm -hmm. pro-life in terms of they would never engage in abortion, but they begin to have sympathy for making the decision. Now, it's one thing, I think, to have sympathy for someone who's gone through an abortion, but Mm -hmm. it's wrong to have sympathy uh, to the point of almost supporting the decision or justifying the decision. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's just, uh, uh, you know, how how can you ever, under any circumstances, try to justify, you know, killing an innocent human being in utero? I mean, I, I don't care what the social pressures are. You just can't kill a, a human being. I mean, can you imagine if we applied the same thing to, uh, you know, extra utero life? You know, the, the mm-hmm. you know the baby is is uh, is there one day old, but you go, you know, this is a financial and social burden. You know, I I, I guess you know, just to alleviate the burden, I'll I'll just kill that human being. Of course, the out would be legitimately there. But why do we make this false distinction just because that life is in the womb that therefore uh, that justifies the unjustifiable 
you know, the killing of an innocent for no other reason than convenience or, uh, you know, social pressure. And I think that was precisely the tipping point of last year. It it allowed mm-hmm. the opportunity. Okay, so people aren't okay with abortion at nine months. Well, if you're not okay with abortion at nine months, what's the difference with six months? What's the mm-hmm. difference with three months? What's the difference with two months gestation? It really mm-hmm. allowed us to challenge people. You're just making a decision based on a level of development that is yeah. inappropriate. And again, you can listen to some of the shows we did last year. We help you to really use those tools to call people out who didn't like how far the abortion laws went last year. Mm-hmm. And speaking of abortion laws, so this year, 2020, the Supreme Court last year agreed that in 2020, this coming March, they're going to hear a case surrounding the Louisiana abortion law that back in 2014 ended up making a case that abortion clinics needed to have an admitting privilege within 30 miles of the local hospital. So if something went wrong, mm-hmm. they needed to have an immediate conversation that was opening up. They knew exactly where they were sending their patients so that no time mm-hmm. was wasted in the case of an emergency. Well, mm-hmm. of course, Planned Parenthood, NARAL, and other pro-abortion groups have mm-hmm. pointed to to Casey versus Planned Parenthood, which is a 1992 mm-hmm. Supreme Court decision saying that, well, this puts an undue burden on women to access abortion, mm-hmm. when in reality, abortion clinics just aren't willing to make those relationships. And mm-hmm. in fact, some hospitals don't want to make those relationships yeah, absolutely. as well. Mm-hmm. And so what's interesting, Father Spitzer, you and I were talking about this before. In 2016, the Supreme Court heard a similar case out of Texas. And in fact, they struck the Texas law down saying yeah. that these were undue burdens placed on women because so many abortion clinics were going to close because they weren't meeting basic medical and health standards. Mm-hmm. So why is the Supreme Court taking this up in 2020? Mm-hmm. A lot of people are expecting that this is going to change a little bit of what the rule has been with Casey versus Planned Parenthood. Mm -hmm. A redefinition of undue burden would be terrific because if they say, well, really, uh, what is an undue burden? And then they establish a set of criteria which would allow the Louisiana law uh, to not only remain but to be justified by a Supreme Court precedent then I think you're going to see a lot of laws, like Louisiana's law. It'll be just patterned along those lines, or uh, according to some prescription that the Supreme Court comes up with, uh, you know, that would loosen the the standard in Casey. But uh, uh, any loosening of the standard in Casey would be terrific, because that will uh, allow, uh, you know, more strict standards uh, to correlate um, you know, abortion with um, access to uh, cl- hospitals close by, which in turn uh, would uh, obviously close a lot of abortion clinics, uh, but also make, um, you know, um, uh, pave the way maybe for uh, uh, an even more uh, drastic decision regarding abortion in the future uh, in, in terms of putting it right in the hands of the states where it belongs. This is a great news now. Some people are saying this is going to be the Supreme Court case on abortion. Hold your horses. I don't think we're there yet. In fact, the prediction is, is that the Supreme Court's going to kind of punt this and send it back to the Fifth Circuit and say, you know what? The decision of the Fifth Circuit stands. Louisiana can proceed with the law. But in order to do that, we need to lessen a little bit of Casey versus Planned Mm -hmm. Parenthood and that undue burden. Mm -hmm. In the meantime, we have over 207 members of Congress who have signed a, quote, friend of the court briefing 
essentially asking for there to be very close attention placed on this Louisiana case going mm-hmm. to the Supreme Court. Mm-hmm. So it's neat to see that we have many of our legislators speaking up and saying this matters and the mm-hmm. argument over undue burden is unfortunately being used inappropriately mm-hmm. to justify abortion. And actually, we could look at it just from a medical perspective to lessen basic health standards for women's health care. Oh, yeah. both of, It goes both ways. So, yeah, it's more abortions. But uh, in order to do that, you have to definitely uh, lessen the standards for health care for, for women and access to emergency uh, uh, help um, medical assistance if something goes wrong. That's Father Robert Spitzer listening to Trending with Timory. Father, I want to get into a couple of case studies out of mm-hmm. California and Japan having to sure. do with what the demographers are saying about this major concern over population. Mm-hmm. Overall, though, I want to get your response to this. We are seeing across the world, not just in developing countries, that birth rates are declining. Population yeah. is declining. What are your initial thoughts on this? Well, I think the reason that they're declining is, number one, you know, Japan has advocated abortion for a long time. And, you know, and then you've got China next door with a single child policy with mandatory abortion thereafter. Uh, now, that uh, seems to be loosening up, uh, you know, to a two-child policy. But we have had just careless, reckless disregard for human life, especially pre-born human life, for a long, long time. And now it's coming out. Secondly, the materialism of our culture and the ego-comparative nature of our culture has definitely, you know, put the priorities away from children, Mm -hmm. away from bringing a new, transcendent, unique, lovable soul into the world destined for eternal life. We want to put now that aside in order to get the new Mercedes or to get uh, you know more time to go on another trip or whatever it may be. But we are no longer sacrificing you know materialistic and ego comparative needs in order to uh, have children to to bring these uh, in this new generation into the world with an immortal soul. Instead, we have decided the car is more important, the trip's more important, and that's a secondary you know sign of a, really a decaying culture. What's I, not even ironic, what's utterly consistent and what we should expect is that, well, if you have a, a culture that has decayed from within and ha- sees no value in life or bringing life into the world or making sacrifices for the sake of new life, if you've got a culture like that, I can assure you uh, that uh, you can expect that the population rate will go down. But what is going to be the result of that? Well, I think there's going to be several things. The first thing is your economy cannot sustain itself. You know, even if you have like total robotic culture, you're going to have to start bringing people in in massive waves of immigration in order to support that economy. And and so you're, you're eventually what's going to happen in Japan is you're going to have this huge, um, you know, group of people uh, who are immigrants to sort of take over the economy and to produce uh, within that culture. And there's going to be nothing, uh, you know, that the Japanese can, uh, uh, can do except to bring those people in. It's like what um, 
uh, France is experiencing right now uh, with its immigrants and the Gastarbeiters in, in Germany. So you're going to have uh, basically a, a sort of a, an interesting sort of cultural takeover, as it right. were. Um, and so um, uh, that's, that's a consequence. But if this starts going globally, now it's probably it's not going to happen in Africa and it's not going to happen in Latin America. Uh, right now, you're not going to see these radical declines. But, you know, if this starts happening globally, what you're going to find is that you're going to have an implosion, um, an economic implosion, uh, similar to the one predicted by uh, Elon Musk and others, uh, which uh, I think will be, uh, you know, unfortunately uh, right. a sort of, a, you know, not an Armageddon, but pretty darn close to it. Uh, I don't know how, you know, we're going to be able to to fulfill um, what our needs will be in the future. I mean, we'll have to turn to India, to Africa, to Latin America and other yeah. places to, to get the requisite population for economic susten- uh, sustainability. That's Father Robert Spitzer. You're listening to Trending with Timory. Don't miss an episode or you maybe aren't able to join us with this full episode. You can head over to relevantradio.com to listen to episodes or you can learn more about our guests and listen Find ways to disc- to subscribe to trending at radiotrending.com. You know, as we're talking about Japan, so Japan is facing the greatest birth decline. They've got the mm-hmm. lowest birth record in the history of their country. It fell nearly 6% after years of trying to pick, continuously mm-hmm. try to pick this up. So they've been trying to do things just like Italy and other places yeah. are trying so hard to increase the birth rate, support marriages. It's mm-hmm. sad because this is what we're fighting for. And when people look at what's happening in Japan, one of the things they're pointing to is the burden placed on women to have to do everything. Mm-hmm. You have to have your career and your home life perfect. Mm-hmm. And the reality is, is that Japan is a testament to this. They're saying, you know, women in Japan have this idea of having a perfect home. So trying to do both, well, we're just not going to. And yeah. so they're opting out of having children. Mm-hmm. And I think that... In Italy, they're opting out of getting married. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So oh. I think that this points to people are saying, I cannot do everything And so in one respect, Mm -hmm. although I don't agree with abortion, we don't agree with contraception, I do respect the fact that people are saying, I can't do it all. Mm -hmm. And that's the point, I think, in history that we're at. So now how are you and I going to really position ourselves to be able to do what's right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I know it's it's a huge problem because now you're going to have to do a cultural reversal. Mm. You know, in in order to you know, if you want to bring Japan uh, Japan back, and you want to bring the the birth rate up in in Japan, you're going to have to reverse a cultural mentality, which is almost set in stone, and and, and it's I think nigh on impossible, uh, as far as I can determine, the the you know the Japanese people per se is just going to gradually diminish until it dies away. I just don't think yeah. there will really be a significant Japanese people into the future. They, they, just, they're, they don't have population sustainability in any realistic way, and I don't see any real change in the future. I mean, in, in China, they, they tried to stop the one-child policy because right now, of course, they, they have no women 
in 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 China. I think it's a uh, thirty million unmarriable men. Yes, yeah. Thirty million unmarriable men who yeah. cannot find people, and we're talking about people in their prime yeah. years to marry and have children. And you mm-hmm. know, I think the whole crisis in California. We're seeing in California more people are leaving the country mm-hmm. than there are people being born and migrating in. So we yeah. are declining in population here in California. Yeah. And what stands out to me about both of these from a distinctly Christian perspective mm-hmm. is that the reason people are leaving California have to do with homelessness, uh, safety surrounding homelessness, uh, the drug problem. People are leaving over financial reasons and taxes. It's not family mm-hmm. friendly. Mm-hmm. Well, the culture isn't family friendly in Japan. It's not family friendly in California. What mm-hmm. are, do we need to do from a cultural perspective, from a personal perspective to make sure that we are welcoming children, that we are encouraging other people to live in a way that is welcoming marriage and family. Yeah. Uh, again, you're going to, you have to almost do a cultural reversal. I hate to say it, but um, in California, there's just been an enormous propaganda effort to persuade everybody to be what I would call marriage unfriendly and mm-hmm. and child unfriendly, or what you would call family unfriendly. Now the the massive propaganda effort is is working. Uh, we can see that there are a lot of kids who are almost brainwashed uh, into believing this mentality, and and they say it the slogans unthinkingly. Uh, I've heard this just rolling off the lips of of, of women who really have yeah. PhDs, I know, or, you know, I know. or PsyDs, and and they're they're absolutely convinced sloganeers. But, you know, you look at it and you go, you know, this doesn't make any sense from the vantage point of, first of all, you know, what produces true human happiness? Well, if it's true love that's committed love within a family, then uh, there's it's what we're dealing with is a very a bunch of convinced people who are in an incipient, if not a full blown state of despair. I do have to throw this in there because what you just said had so much value that people who are educated today have been so brainwashed. And it's interesting because, you know, there are people who are so brainwashed and man, they can spout out fact after fact after fact. They can go rounds and rounds in a debate, but Mm -hmm. nothing they are saying is true. And I was talking to my husband about this the other Mm -hmm. day. I have a hard time debating with them because sometimes I feel like, man, you are so smart, but you're so wrong. Mm -hmm. And so I just go, you know what? I'm not even going to go there. Mm -hmm. I, at a certain point, can go round and round with you, but then I'm just going to walk away because I'm not doing anything by kind of talking to you who is a sponge of data yet Mm -hmm. do not know the real world. Mm -hmm. And I think that this is a challenge for each of us. We need to live by example because I see a lot of people who are terrified of diving into that verbal battle right now. Yeah, I, I would say, you know, if, if you don't want to get into the, the fact spouting and things of that nature, um, you know, and, and I, I think you can go at that pretty significantly. The, the old idea of the population explosion uh, is going to lead to a scarcity of resources, the old Malthusian prediction. You know, Malthus has been proven dead wrong generation after generation after generation. Now, people like Paul Zane Pilzer pointed it out a long time ago in that book, Unlimited Wealth, and showed that technologies and, and uh, you know, uh, communications, et cetera, the improvements in those things have always led to a net 
increase in wealth per capita, even with an exploding economy. Now, yes, in certain countries in Africa and so forth, yes, it has not gone well for the for that kind of correlation. But if we take care of those people and we give them the education, the economic basis uh, on which to, to, to base this principle of unlimited wealth, the population explosion myth, you can explode it. Yes. So that's the first thing. The second thing is we need to concentrate on incipient despair, emptiness, loneliness, alienation, and guilt. We It's all over the place in our culture. And where is it coming from? It's coming from the fact that we don't have any true love or any hope that would come not just from faith, but in values that lead to committed love in our culture. We're so darn superficial in this culture. We've lost the sense of true committed love. We've lost the sense of faith and the hope that comes from that faith and the combination of the two that leads to great families and that leads to real love. You almost want to turn on Leave it to Beaver so you can just see at least, you know, the sanity of, of, of the pre-insane culture that we have today. It's so true and I love to turn back to old black and white movies because it's so peaceful in comparison to what we're facing today. We'll be right back on Trending with Timory with Father Robert Spitzer. Timory will be right back. Send her a tweet at Timory. That's T-I-M-M-E-R-I-E. You're listening to Trending with Timory, where morality and culture meet, offering an eternal perspective on today's hottest topics. I'm so curious to hear your thoughts. You can tweet me at Timmery. That's T-I-M-M-E-R-I-E or contact me on Instagram or Facebook. Same credentials there. What I want to hear your thoughts on are the Golden Globes. I mean, who really watches the Golden Globes anymore? But everyone has seen this clip of Ricky Gervais. We're going to play it in just a minute. So don't worry if you're not caught up. We're going to play it here. First, a message from our sponsors. Solidarity HealthShare is simple to help pay for affordable, quality health care. They enable the community to share in each other's eligible medical expenses. You choose a doctor that you want to see, even integrative, and alternative medical treatments are eligible. Solidarity HealthShare helps pay for NAPRO technology and costs associated with natural family planning. Solidarity HealthShare is dedicated to both faith and your health care. Information is available at SolidarityHealthShare.org. That's SolidarityHealthShare.org. I'm here with Father Robert Spitzer, founder and president of the Magis Center. Father Spitzer, I want you to listen to this clip here from the Golden Globes. Okay. Ricky Gervais, a comedian, British comedian, was the MC for the night. And man, did he just backslap everyone in Hollywood. Let's go ahead and cue up that clip right now. The game with a morning show. Time, who cares? <laughs> oh... Apple roared into the, the TV game with a morning show. A superb drama, yeah. A superb drama about the importance of dignity and doing the right thing, made by a company that runs sweatshops in China. So, well, you say you're woke, but the companies you work for, I mean, unbelievable. Apple, Amazon, Disney. If ISIS started a streaming service, you'd call your agent, wouldn't you? So, if you do win an award tonight, 
Don't use it as a, a platform to make a political speech, right? You're in no position to lecture the public about anything. You know nothing about the real world. Most of you spent less time in school than Greta Thunberg. So, if you win, right, come up, accept your little award, thank your agent and your god, and... So... It's already three hours long. Right, let's do the first award. The first award. <laughs> oh, gosh. Okay, so this was the intro to the Golden Globes. I mean, we've got people like Tom Hanks. You should have seen his face. He was so offended. Uh, did they listen? Uh, no, they still made their political speeches. I mean, we had Michelle Williams up there talking about abortion and choice, basically an ad for Planned Parenthood. Oh, yeah. Uh, you know, especially in an election year, this is what you could expect. But, boy, so many of the comments Ricky Gervais made we're so true, and I think that's why people have, across the board, been in favor of what he said. Yeah, I think uh, everybody knows exactly what he said. You don't know anything more about politics than the rest of us, maybe less. That's my paraphrase, and I think that is so true. I think there's a superficiality in the world of Hollywood that, despite the seeming profundity of many of these dramas— I must tell you, the superficiality just reigns supreme. I've never seen an ego comparative culture so, uh, you know, on steroids as as in Hollywood. Uh, they're hardly uh, in a position to sit as judge and jury uh, over uh, culture, politics, or anything else. Well, we treat Hollywood as basically the royalty of the United <laughs> States, and we go to them for every sort of guidance, whether it's on depression or who to vote for as president. Yet there's so much hypocrisy. I mean, you think people would have woken up after what happened and what was exposed two years ago in the Me Too movement. And so here, let's say two years ago now, you know, everyone's showing up to the Golden Globes. Was it two years ago or last year? I think it was two years ago. Uh, you know, they show up and, you know, I think they're all wearing black well, or something in solidarity. And now here we are. I mean, I was so sh surprised by this. Apple TV came out and Ricky Gervais mentions this with this show, a morning show mm -hmm. uh, featuring Jennifer Aniston and Reese Witherspoon. And basically the whole beginning of the show is set on Jennifer Aniston's co-host. Uh, it ended up coming out that he was another perpetrator. He had oh. abused someone, uh, someone that yeah. worked there at the morning show. And so they had to fire him. And so she's having to react to this practically live on television. She's got a new co-host in Reese mm -hmm. Witherspoon. And and I just think it's so hypocritical, even how they handle the show. Mm -hmm. You guys are making a show about the Me Too movement, and even how you handle it on your TV show isn't good. <laughs> yeah. And then Ricky Gervais calls them out, and you guys have sweatshops yeah. that you're running in other countries. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, uh, there's the hypocrisy. And, uh, you know, uh, get on your private jet and you know, while you're campaigning against uh, uh, global warming. You know, are you kidding me? Your carbon imprint is through the ceiling, <laughs> you know. And, I mean, it, it just the, the hypocrisies are just one after the next after the next, you know. You, you preach a great game, you know, about uh, supporting just causes, which I think is good. Support just causes. However, when you've got your tax person out there, uh, trying to make sure that you don't pay one scrap more of, of taxes, uh, you know, and you've got the best tax accountants in the world to to make sure that nothing nothing additional goes to those very programs. 
I, I'm just blown away, blown yeah. away by uh, the two-sidedness or the almost two-facedness of, uh, of the culture of Hollywood. You're listening to Trending with Timory. That is Father Robert Spitzer. So when Ricky Gervais is talking here at the Golden Globes, you know, he insults <laughs> everyone about their little awards and, you know, be quiet. You didn't even go to school. Mm. He's telling me, you know, without saying it, he's basically saying, don't talk about religion. Don't talk about politics. You know, just stay away from it. And there's some truth to what he's saying that all of us for just a moment can actually take into our own lives, I think. You know, we laugh at what is true usually, or sometimes mm-hmm. we laugh at what makes us feel uncomfortable. And yeah. I think that we can use a whole lot more just common courtesy by sometimes not going there and by living mm-hmm. by example so that other people feel welcome around us. Mm-hmm. Now, I think that's, you know, almost there is a protocol and even a, a good, sometimes silence is, is, is golden. And, and I, I, I do think you, you can stay away from, uh, you know, most of these issues without giving a lecture. If you want to thank the Lord, uh, you know, yeah. or thank your family, uh, you know, or something for uh, uh, the, the award or, you know, something of that nature. Or you just want to say, uh, you know, I want to thank my parents for the values that I received or, you know, my church for what I received. I think that's okay to do. But to give a lecture is completely inappropriate, especially uh, since so many of the lecturers are hardly in a position to do it. One of the things that stood out with how this clip has gone viral is if you look at the millennial and even Gen Z now, the iGen, they love just authenticity. They love yeah. rawness. And, you know, sometimes they shock me because they curse so much. I mean, my generation and the generation below me, I and mean, just the foul words. And that's yeah. actually consistent with research about this specific age group because they want what's real. And so they use really raw words. And I think that this is part of the reason why people loved what Ricky Gervais said. It was raw. Mm-hmm. It was real. He may have been a comedian, but as Jimmy G, our sound engineer, and everyone behind the scenes here was saying before the show, you know, in his own British way, he was able to say what he's actually thinking here. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, you know, I'm glad he said it, but unfortunately, no one took his advice. But it's this is part of the whole culture. I mean, we are the culture of appearances. We're the culture of facades. We half the time don't care about the hypocrisies that underlie it. You know, it's just uh, uh, we are, um, you know, level two turns into hypo- hypocrisy, facade, appearance. And, you know, it, it, it never gets to the reality of love. It never gets to the reality of our transcendent nature, never gets to the reality of what really makes a difference in life and what will have a long standing value and legacy. Never gets to really, well, what principles do we operate according to anyway? besides the fact that it's now in at Hollywood, you know, and and it just never gets there. So, well, in the culture of appearances, you know, so long as you can cloak the hypocrisy or you can cloak, you know, the murdering of innocence as, you know, something that's really good and you should celebrate it, uh, as dear Michelle did there. Uh, Oh, I have to tell you something else she said, Father. So Michelle Williams not only talks about her abortion, talks about choice, she then starts talking about voting in this upcoming election. (laughs) And she, at one point, talks about how you basically have to vote, quote, with your own self-interest. 
And man, those words, like, thank you, Michelle Williams, yeah. for saying that because you are showing that you and only you are at the center of the world. And that's the yeah. only reason you vote rather than for the greater good. Oh, yeah. No, I mean, well, at least that wasn't hypocritical. <laughs> there uh, is the, the full truth of uh, inauthenticity and egocentricity. Narcissism writ large said very rawly and straightly. <laughs> but with your own self-interest, yeah. you know, and maybe there's more truth to what she's saying than what we ourselves are kind of examining on our own. Do we just act with our own self-interest? Do we vote with our own self-interest? Do we make most of our decisions with our own self-interest? And, you know, remember, you're supposed to love yourself as you love your neighbor. Well, mm -hmm. are we loving ourselves enough to go beyond kind of our immediate desires? Well, here's the, the, the problem is, you know, all love has to go outside of itself. The love of self without having love of neighbor um, will never be love. Mm -hmm. And I mean, uh, uh, that, that'll be pure narcissism. So I do think, you know, it's, it's like the, even the, the love of a couple for one another, right? Was uh, Kierkegaard's uh, famous little story where it's almost like narcissists, you know, the, the two lovers are gazing into each other's eyes, but they become the pools of narcissists. They, they, they don't ever go beyond themselves. And if they don't go beyond themselves, you have a huge problem, right, is that the, the love is unsustainable. It just, they fall into the, the pool of, of themselves alone. And it has to go out to children. It, you know, that, that couple needs to go out to the world beyond. And, and that's what's not happening. You can listen to more of Trending via the podcast on iTunes or the iHeartRadio app, where you can share your favorite episodes. You're listening to Trending with Timory, where morality and culture meet, offering an eternal perspective on today's hottest topics. Major study came out showing that children behave 800 times worse when they're in front of their moms. It was a fake study. Articles have been kind of all over the internet about this. I think it's really comical because, you know, I don't have kids, but I see my friends all the time and they're always talking about, man, my kids behave so bad sometimes in front of me. And then I see them, you know, interacting with other people and they're better. <laughs> you know, we're going to dive into this because I think it really points to the importance and the love and the power that the mom has within the home. With me on today's show is Father Robert Spitzer of the Magis Center. Initial thoughts on this one, Father? Well, you know, that cuts both ways. You know, there's love and responsibility. So I do think in one sense, the power of the mom, you know, who's so lovable, so accepting of the child, uh, the child feels free to just act up in, in front of the mother. The difficulty is, even though they have a sense that they can, you know, and they have to sort of dress up a little bit better when they're in front of total strangers or in front of family friends, the point is, is at some point, you, you do have to sort of have a little bit of responsibility mixed in with the love. Love is not pure acceptance of, of any kind of conduct. Love is also has a guiding hand, which says, well, you just can't act up like this in front of me. You can't be disrespectful to me. And I mean, boy, if we ever did that in, 
you know, to my mother in front of my father. Yiko, <laughs> I don't even want to think of what would have happened to us. But uh, I, I have to tell you, though, I, I do think, you know, love and responsibility go together. Love is not just being accepted and, and pampered. It, love is also you got to buck up and be a human being and be contributive. I have three thoughts on this that I kind of want to dive into. Mm-hmm. You know, people are laughing at this because it's true. You know, not the statistic mm-hmm. of children behaving 800 times worse, but there's so much credit to this. There are all these memes about mm-hmm. this as well. You know, I think first and foremost, the fact that a child uh, behaves, misbehaves more in front of the mom, and the mom sees the best of the best and the worst of the worst, just mm-hmm. like we see in our families, mm-hmm. right? You know, mm-hmm. we can show our worst in front of the closest people just because we know they're going to forgive us, they're mm-hmm. going to love us anyways. So that points to the unconditional love that a mother should have, the mm-hmm. safety, the trust that the mother gives. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's a beautiful thing, and it shows how her love is supposed to be so important to that child that that child knows it's loved unconditionally conditionally and that's where the child learns to test its limits Mm -hmm. of unconditional love so that's the power and i think the really good side of it i think Mm -hmm. more the other two points i think are something for us to consider the second one is i think there's a lot of loose parenting where moms go well i'm just gonna let my kid do whatever and i'm not saying in the respect of like just letting them free play i don't think there's enough free play for the poor kids anymore it's just that they're going to allow bad behavior anytime Mm -hmm. in front of them because they're tired They don't want to go through with it, which kind of hits on the third point of because moms are less present than they ever used to be Mm -hmm. in the history of the world with Mm -hmm. their children. You know, it used to be that children were taught by their moms, that they, Mm -hmm. you know, did work in the fields with their moms and their dads. Because of this, we're also seeing children act up. Mm and behave poorly in front of their mom so that they can just get attention, even if it means a spanking or a correction. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's a very unfortunate part of the culture. I mean, you've identified a, a huge area here of, you know, the, it takes time to really form a, a child in the security of knowing that they're loved. And if you don't spend enough time with your kids, if you're not present to your kids, or if you're just so tired when you are present to your kids and you're emotionally not present to your kids, that kid is very likely to suspect, if not fully appropriate the thought, I'm not lovable, or I'm not as loved as this other kid, or maybe my my mom just thinks more of things around her than she does of me. And uh, all those things are very dangerous notions for forming a very insecure ego, which will act out not only in childhood, but in adulthood as well. I think the bottom line, and this is a message for all of us to know, and it's not just kids that want this, but, you know, we crave human connection. Mm -hmm. We see by this, you know, study that was a joke, kids want their moms. They want their moms. And Mm -hmm. I remember hearing someone say recently, it was a few months ago, uh, they were asking a question of, you know, hey, would your kid rather 20 bucks or to spend time with you for an evening? Mm -hmm. And the parent was shocked when they found out the kid actually preferred to spend time with the parent rather Mm -hmm. than the $20. And it was kind of like an Mm -hmm. angst type of teenager, you know, that age, you know, whether they're young or old, the bottom line is that children crave to be around their parents. Even if they're giving you attitude, whatever it might be, they want that discipline. They want mm-hmm. that guidance. They want the rules. Mm-hmm. And that kind of brings in the fatherly role as well. Absolutely. Because, yeah. Children <laughs> really behave differently in front of their fathers because they see uh, their fathers as a figure of discipline. Oh, yeah. 
Definitely the case. I mean, uh, and, and certainly in my household and the household of all of my friends. And I've seen it, you know, uh, just one time, you know, uh, I was at a friend's house in, in Washington, D.C., and the mother went out and, you know, and said, okay, kids, time to come in for dinner. You know, they keep playing on the tire and doing everything. And, okay, kids, you know, come in. After about the fifth time, the father goes out there. Hey, that was it. <laughs> I mean, they're all right in the house sitting, you know, and I just, uh, I couldn't even believe it. You know, I just said, wow, you know, but there is truth to that. I mean, and, and uh, you know, if you have absentee fathers or, you know, no fathers in the house, uh, you're going to lack that discipline as well. And uh, again, you think, well, no kid wants to be disciplined by his father, but the discipline agent is just one side of the coin. The other side of the coin is the respect that, you know, that child has for his father and the desire that that child has to be respected by his father. Yes, you know, he wants to be loved by his father, but he also wants to be respected by his father. And the thought of being, you know, shamed, you know, to the father is is really very humiliating for the uh, for a child. And, and so uh, I think, you know, the father, yes, he has the disciplinary role, and that's very important for the guiding hand. But also the respect of the father is just is longed for as much as the love of the mother. And, you know, I, that doesn't go away at all in adulthood. Adults no. long for, especially men, the respect mm-hmm. of their father. Oh, yeah. And I've seen it where, you know, you see cases of divorce where the father has, um, you know, been out of the house for a long time. And that boy child will do anything to reconnect with, uh, with that father, uh, even though he might have been somebody who was very violent toward the child or very disrespectful toward the child, there is this desire even in, in, in the adult child to go back and reconnect with that father to get his respect. And, uh, you know, I worked in a, a Jesuit boys' home uh, when I was at Georgetown University teaching there. Um, and we had a, our own little boys' home uh, that was there. And the the state always allowed, you know, boys to go home, you know, to their dads for their parents, you know, for birthdays and, and things. And, uh, you know, that kid, there was nothing, even though the prospect there there could be a beating, there probably was never going to be a present, a card or a cake, that's for sure. You know, and and, and yet that child, you could not keep him away, uh, especially the boy children from the father, Mm -hmm. even if there was abuse in that family. It, It just always amazed me. It points to our deep-seated desire to please God, our Heavenly Father, to have this connection to Him, to not just follow in His footsteps, but to be loved by Him, to say, well done, my good and faithful servant. You Mm -hmm. know, even, you know, you think about it twice, God intervenes while Christ is on earth and says, this is my beloved son. He's affirming Christ. And what's so incredible is mm-hmm. Christ in his humanity didn't needed that information in his divinity. He did, did not need it. But in mm-hmm. his humanity, he needed that affirmation. And should we not look to the example of God, the heavenly father of that affirmation that we too should be showing? Yeah, and I think uh, all of us want, you know, not just to be in the good graces of our Heavenly Father, but to also be respected by our Heavenly Father in the sense of, you know, not in 
sense of you know that God could disdain anybody, right. uh, but but you know that we want you know our Father to be proud of us or to be happy with us or to be you know our heavenly Father. I mean to be proud of us and happy with us, just as we want our earthly Father to be proud of us and, and happy uh, with us. You know, it's uh, we do want to please uh, God just like we want to please our own parents. Uh, because you know we we do long for their uh, both their love and their respect. Mm-hmm. I think in bringing this full circle, you know, we see this decline in population. We see the debate yeah. over abortion. We see the truth of what was said at the Golden Globes, and then we see you know this satire study about children. It points to the reality that we need to work on this virtue of goodness in our culture, you know, especially parents to their children to help foster goodness. Well, that goodness starts with we ourselves showing that love, showing Mm. that respect for the child by disciplining them, by being present. Oh, yeah. And I think self-sacrificial love is the, the real as Jesus pointed out to us, that that's the epitome of goodness, mm-hmm. right? Is self-sacrificial love, and that's what parents have. And the reason that children are being marginalized in the society is because self-sacrificial love is being sacrificed to materialism. That's Father Robert Spitzer of the Magis Center. You can find more about him and his work at the Magis Center by going to www.magiscenter.com. That's M-A-G-I-S, magiscenter.com. And thanks for being with us. If you've enjoyed the show, let us know. Head over to radiotrending.com. This has been Trending with Timory. To book her to speak or learn more about her guest, visit radiotrending.com. You can listen to more of Trending via the podcast on iTunes, Google Play, or the iHeartRadio app, where you can share your favorite episodes. 